sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the basics of exclusive pumping, such as the reasons why a mom may choose to do this, as well as how to choose the best pump and set up a pumping schedule. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show expert Stephanie Casemore. Stephanie is a mother, teacher, and writer living in Eastern Ontario, Canada. After pumping for her son for one year, she wrote the book Exclusively Pumping, Breast Milk, a guide to providing express breast milk for your baby. Today, we are discussing exclusive pumping and how to make it work for you. This is The Boob Group, episode 98. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Have you checked out our Facebook page recently? If not, you should definitely head on over and join in on our conversation that happens there daily. Feel free to post questions on our wall, and we will try to answer them in an upcoming episode. And best of all, help us share all of our great content by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. Today, I'm joined by two lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Jane, you want to go first? Hi, I am Jane. I am 33. I'm a stay-at-home mom as well as a military wife, and I've got one little boy who is two years old. And how about you, Katie? I'm Katie, and I'm 32. I'm a stay-at-home mom also and a part-time worker at a domestic violence shelter. I have two kids, one boy, Logan, who's two and a half, and my daughter, Arwen, who is 11 months. Thanks, ladies. And I'd also like to just give a shout out to MJ, our producer. MJ, you want to tell everyone about our virtual panelist program? Sure. Um, Our virtual panelist program is growing thanks to all of you online who can't be in the studio, but you're um, contributing to our online conversation. And that's just basically what it is. We have um, the same questions that we're posting, uh, that we're talking about in studio, we're posting online, and then you're able to answer them and give your experience and your opinions and help other mamas so thank you for contributing to that and continuing to contribute well thanks mj sound familiar if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash then you need to give dr mom butt balm a try it was created by a mom who's also a doctor when my kids were little 
I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Lara Adello, a certified lactation educator, volunteer at Best for Babes, and author of The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps, such as what to do when your child care provider is not supportive of breastfeeding. Child care support for breastfeeding isn't talked about as much as the other breastfeeding issues, but a recent incident in Toronto brought to light about how much of a factor it is in mom's ability to sustain breastfeeding. A recent study from the CDC examined the relationship between child care provider support for breastfeeding and mother's breastfeeding duration. It found that breastfeeding at six months was significantly associated with child care provider support to feed expressed breast milk and allow mothers to breastfeed at the child care place before or after work. Compared to mothers who reported fewer than three total supports, mothers who reported five supports were three times as likely to be breastfeeding at six months. Our findings suggest that child care providers' breastfeeding support in the early months may help mothers maintain breastfeeding for longer durations. And it's compelling enough that the Surgeon General, in her call to action to support breastfeeding, makes the recommendation, quote, ensure that all child care providers accommodate the needs of breastfeeding mothers and infants, end quote. The CDC also found that only six of the 50 states have child care regulations requiring the center's quote, encourage and support breastfeeding and feeding of breast milk by making arrangements for mothers to feed their children comfortably on site, end quote. Just six. Now, it's almost certainly the case that many child care providers support nursing moms on their own without being required to by the state, but doesn't the absence of regulation say something about the lack of recognition of this as an issue? We think that is a booby trap. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals, and check out my book, The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture, for a collection of breastfeeding stories. And be sure to listen to The Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. So today we're talking about how to make exclusive pumping work for you. I am thrilled to welcome Stephanie Casemore back to the show. Stephanie is the author of two books, Exclusively Pumping Breast Milk, A Guide to Providing Express Breast Milk for Your Baby, and Breastfeeding Take Two, Successful Breastfeeding the Second Time Around. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome back to the show. 
Thanks, Robin. Well, so Stephanie, let's revisit just for a few minutes some tips for creating a pumping schedule, because I know that this is a question that comes up the most for my moms that I'm working with. Which do you find is easier, following the baby's lead and and pumping around baby's feeding schedule or setting an alarm and pumping every couple hours? First of all, I would say that what's easy and what's best aren't necessarily the same. Yeah, good point. (laughs) So... um, my answer probably will will change depending on a woman's situation. Um, I think some women are able to follow a baby's schedule and schedule their pumping around, you know, their baby's naps and playtime and feeding time, and, and that will work, but it's not going to work for everyone. Um, you know, some babies are, are more fussy. They require more time. So um, I think my advice would be to set a certain number of sessions a day, set a goal for a certain number of sessions, and kind of plot out when you hope to get those sessions done, but then also be prepared to be flexible in that. The number of sessions a day are probably more important than the frequency of pumping, so rather than worrying about getting it exactly every two hours, um, you know, as long as you can aim for, if you're aiming for eight sessions a day and get those eight sessions in, that's most important, but if you use your baby schedule to determine the pumping schedule, sometimes you'll end up at the end of the day and, you know, you're, you're a couple sessions short. Um, babies are notoriously unpredictable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our time gets eaten up pretty, pretty quickly if we're not, um, you know, prioritizing. So, unfortunately, with, with, with exclusive pumping, I would recommend that women set out a number, of schedule, a number of sessions that they want to have done and then make those priorities. So whether, you know, you might have to fudge it a little bit if you're planning on pumping at 10 a.m. and you don't get to pump till 10.30, it's not a big deal. Um, but by planning a bit, you'll better hit those targets. And in the long run, it's uh, you know, more beneficial for your, your supply. Okay. And when a mom is pumping, how long do you typically recommend that she pumps each time? So again, that's going to be a that depends kind of answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the length of your sessions... Um, depend a lot on how often you're, you're pumping, how many sessions you're doing a day, and to some extent it's going to depend on how old your baby is. My general guideline that I usually share with most women is to aim for about 120 minutes to 140 minutes a day, and that you know will then get divided between the number of sessions that you're doing. Um, that was the guideline, 120 minutes, when I was pumping, you know, 10 plus years ago, um, and the newer research that's starting to come out is supporting that. So I think 120, 140 is a, is a good kind of guideline of what to aim for. In the early postpartum period, sessions are going to be shorter because you're pumping more frequently. Um, you know, the first couple days postpartum, if you have to pump immediately after your baby's born, you're probably going to be aiming, you know, between 10, uh, 8 and 12 sessions a day. So your sessions might only be, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes each. As your supply begins to increase, um, you're needing to pump longer to ensure you're removing milk as fully as possible. And then as your supply increases and as your baby gets older, you can often stretch the time between those sessions as well. And so um, aiming for kind of that total number of minutes per day and then just dividing it through the number of sessions given how far postpartum you are and, you know, how strong your supply is and how many pumps you're doing each day. So it's kind of a really roundabout way of saying it all depends. <laughs> no, but you gave great details. So <laughs> no, that, that's wonderful. So, so ladies in the studio, um, what type of schedule worked best for you and, and how did it change over time? 
Jane, how about you first? I just started every two to three hours. Um, I tried to do it uh, at the beginning uh, when my son was sleeping, um, just because it was easier to manage that. And then as he got older, I just tried to spread it out so that it was either napping um, or playing on his own as he definitely got a lot older. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, I just kind of planned it around, but I also made sure that I was doing it every couple of hours and as many pumps as I could during the day, uh, like you said, Stephanie. Did you notice that the time, that the amount of time that you spent at each pumping session changed over time as your son got older? You know, it actually didn't. Mine stayed pretty much the same. Um, I know that my LC, and I went through 12. No. <laughs> um had told me don't pump more than 30 minutes and don't pump less than 10 but you know according to a lot of the moms on the boards that I see they complain about 40 minutes an hour and a half and every woman is different it's a matter of getting those pump sessions in and it's not necessarily about looking at the time clock because your brain is your I don't want to say defense barrier barrier but if you focus on the time, you're not going to focus on releasing the milk. That's a good point. How about you, Katie? Um, I exclusively pumped with both my son and my daughter, um, and it was a little bit different for both of them based on their individual circumstances as far as their tongue ties and releases. But um, generally, I kept to a every three-hour schedule for the first several months until I had a really solid uh, milk supply that was stabilized. And even if I've had two kids with tongue ties, I've been blessed with oversupply. Mm-hmm. So um, over time, I was able to gradually drop pumps um, and now I'm able to um, sustain my daughter on just four pumps a day and I pump about um, eight ounces per per pumps and that's enough and I've got a huge supply in the freezer so um, I'm blessed in that way but yeah 15 minutes every three hours and then just dropped off um, over the months and I refuse to do it in the night unless for some reason I missed a pump and then it's killing me, so yeah. I will do that. But generally, um, that's something I did differently with my daughter. My son, I did get up. My daughter, I said no. Yeah. <laughs> How, um, MJ, you said uh, we have a virtual panelist who wants to share some information with us. Yes, <laughs> uh, Angela Hines. She is talking about the type of schedule and how it changed over time. She said, when I started out, I would pump every three hours during the day. And at night, my husband would feed while I pumped. Eventually, I worked into a pattern of six times a day. Um, and she said it helped to have multiple sets of bottles and flanges so she didn't have to keep watching, washing them and having a hands-free bra is a must. <laughs> um, eventually, around 10 months, she said she started um, cutting out a session until she was down to first thing in the morning and last thing in the, the evening. And then um, I would, she would cut down the minutes that she pumped until it was, she was no longer producing. Okay. Thanks, MJ. So, Stephanie, what tips do you have for getting the most milk out while pumping? There's lots of lots and lots of tips. Some of the big ones, I mean, starting kind of with the with the large pitcher items, I would say the pump is super important. Uh, you know, the the best quality pump that you can get, um, using a double pump as opposed to a single pump, if possible. Pump, pumps are difficult because some people are going to respond to one better than another, and if you've already put out, you know, two three hundred dollars for a pump, uh, you know, you can be a little reluctant to go and spend more money on, it, on another one. Um, but the pumps do, do make a difference to a lot of women. Um, definitely using breast massage uh, prior to pumping. 
um, using warm compresses. Uh, while you're pumping, you know, getting your hands involved, using massage, using breast compressions to help um, re- remove and release the milk. Um, comfort is a big one, and that's kind of like a, a really large topic, but uh, if you're not comfortable, you're not going to let down, you're, the, the milk's not going to release as, as well as if you're, you know, in pain or discomfort or even just cold or uncomfortable in how you're sitting. So comfort's a big one. Um, flange fit is, is super important um, for any mom who's using a breast pump, but especially for moms who are exclusively pumping, um, making sure that the flange fits properly. Um, isn't too small or too large. Uh, adjusting the cycling and the suction during pumping is important. So, you know, some pumps have a letdown phase and you can just push a button, but um, on ones that don't have that, just using, uh, starting the session with faster cycling, low suction, and then once your milk starts to release and you start getting a letdown, to reverse that so that your cycling is slower but your suction is a little higher and that helps to um, get milk out. And then once your first letdown slows, reversing that again back to the faster cycling, lower suction. So most women will have two or three um, letdowns per session and you should should be getting that um, depending on how long you're pumping. Um, So knowing that's important as well. Um, Other things that you can try are things like... uh, Pumping for, say, 10 minutes and then stopping for five and then coming back and continuing your session. So not feeling like you have to be sitting down for an entire 20-minute session or 30-minute session, however long you're going, um, but to break it up. And that can also help to uh, release milk and get a better letdown each time. All right. Those are some ideas. Those are terrific. And... um, and, and what about cleaning pump pieces? Um, I know that this can be exhausting even when I went back to work and I had to clean them when I was at work, but I can't imagine having to do this eight times a day. Um, so what, what tips do you have for making this easier? Um, there's lots of kind of tricks or tips that a lot of uh, women use. Um, it's kind of, and I have to use my, that depends. <laughs> uh, it does depend, in my opinion, on the age of your baby and the health of your baby. So um, you know, if you're pump- and it also depends where you're pumping. So if you're if you're just at home, that's one thing. If you're in a hospital, if your if your baby's a preemie or you know in the NICU for some other reason, that that's a different situation. So it, for preemies, for babies who are um, you know, have their immune system that's compromised because of some illness, if they're in the hospital, it really is best to clean them and sterilize them after each session, just because of your environment and you know the the health of your of your baby. Um, if you have yeast, uh, yeast infection, thrush, that's the same thing. I'd be cleaning them after each session for sure. Having said that, if uh, your baby's, you know, healthy, if your baby's older, um, you know, so you're not as, as paranoid perhaps about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cleanliness and, and health and making sure every germ in your environment's annihilated. Um, <laughs> there's lots of different things you can do. Multiple, uh, buying multiple flange sets is definitely one of the first ones. Um, that way, if you have enough to last you through the day, you can just wash up once or maybe twice, depending on how many you have. You can do what many people refer to as the refrigerator trick, um, which basically goes off the understanding that breast milk you know, is a very hearty substance, and you can leave it in a fridge for up to eight days. So in this case, you know, you can leave your flan sets in a fridge in between sessions and it's not, uh, you know, the, the milk that's left on the flan set will be fine. 
to um, to use the next time, and then you can again wash only once or twice a day. Um, other things, from from my experience, I I only had one set of flanges, and I did have a preemie, so I was cleaning a lot. Um, for me, having a microwave sterilizer was huge because it just made sterilizing so much easier, and you can also get sterilizing bags and you know different things uh, such as that if your dishwasher runs hot enough you can also use your dishwasher to sterilize and, and clean um, most pump kits depending on the manufacturer please check <laughs> I don't see people telling me <laughs> I melted my flanges um, and of course you know use the people around you you know get your husband to wash or you know if your mother comes in then um, make use of, of uh, the extra hands to, to help with that so those are some ideas. That's great. And um, one of the moms had mentioned a hands-free bra, too. So what, what type of products, um, I guess without naming any names, like name brands, but what type of products do you think are most important and helpful when exclusively pumping? There's lots that can be helpful. I, I'm kind of a really bare-bones person. I, I don't, just as with breastfeeding, I prefer to not make people or make women believe that they have to buy stuff. So, you know, aside from a pump, a uh, set of flanges, some collection bottles. Those, those are the big things that you, you absolutely have to have. I would add probably some type of lubrication, uh, whether you know you use coconut oil or olive oil or um, lanolin, whatever it might be that you choose to use. Those would be the big ones. Um, having some spare parts, the membranes and valves that go into the flanges um, should be changed out regularly. So that would be something that would be very important to have. In terms of helpful, um, as we said, extra flanges, extra collection bottles, um, a hands-free bra for many, 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 many women find that um, almost, you know, it makes, it's a life-changing moment when you get a (laughs) hands-free bra and discover that you now have two hands to do something else with, whether it be, you know, know, doing something with your baby or even just getting on a computer or texting or whatever it might be. Things, another thing is things to keep your baby busy. Actually, I would probably throw in things that are in that category of things that are helpful. So whether that be, you know, a bouncy chair or an exosaucer. Um, when my son got older and I was having to keep him busy, it was the uh, baby Einstein era. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a couple of those videos that he loved. So in some respects, it's whatever works. for right? yeah. <laughs> And um, so things, you know, thinking about, how, how to keep your baby busy, those are things that uh, definitely are in the helpful category. Okay, ladies in the studio, how about you? Katie, What are, were there any products that you feel like you just couldn't live without? Yes, and this might be a little bit controversial, but a car adapter for the pump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I pump on the go. So having um, a car adapter for my pump and a nursing, uh, hands-free nursing bra and a, a cover, too. I've actually pumped through a drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, whatever works. But that, that was really, really helpful for me um, in terms of being able to get my pump sessions in while on the go and also because when babies get older like or my kids at least they want to rip the pump cords out (laughs) when I'm pumping so um, pumping in the car helps that um, a lot and then um, as was mentioned having a bouncy chair um, so I can put my daughter in feed her a bottle while I'm pumping and then we do circle time (laughs) Um, and that gives me just enough distraction to get through a a pump session successfully Um, and then obviously a cooler uh, so I can store my milk if I'm pumping on the road. 
That's great. How about you, Jane? Anything else you loved? Um, I definitely had multiple flange sets. Um, spare parts was a key for me. I was really lazy and didn't like cleaning my parts, so <laughs> I needed to have multiple parts. Um, the steam bags for the mi- uh, microwave worked really well. Definitely a hands-free bra. Um, or that was really helpful. As my son got older, um, either a jump room, I don't really recommend a jump room, but something, a, a safe area for him to play and be away from me to not pull out the tubes was really helpful. So like a play yard, um, a bouncer, something just to keep him occupied was definitely key. Um, my husband was deployed for the first little bit and that was really struggle. But as he got older, um, again, with being working and stuff, I was on my own doing the pumping and keeping my son entertained as he got older was a little more challenging to pump. (laughs) All right, MJ, someone online had something they wanted to add? Yeah, Angela Hines again. She is um, hooking us up with the exclusive pumping um, (laughs) tricks and tips. Uh, She says the same things that that the ladies say in studio, a car adapter or battery pack, nursing cover, hands-free bra, and lots of sets of pumping bottles and flanges. All right, very cool. (laughs) All right, well, when we come back, Stephanie and our panel We'll discuss tips for not letting the pump run your life. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the show. We're here chatting with Stephanie Casemore, and we are talking about exclusive pumping, making it work for you. So, Stephanie, what are some of your top tips for keeping up a milk supply when exclusive pumping? The first thing I would actually say is education. I I think it's really important, and I always encourage women to learn about the process of lactation, how how their milk supply is initiated and maintained. Um, You know, what's as as I said earlier, what is easier is not always best for supply, and so sometimes having that knowledge and that information behind you so that you understand where you can make changes and where you can't make changes is really important. the basics of keeping up milk supply are frequently, uh, sorry, frequency and effective milk removal. And really those, y- you can't get away from those. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if your supply is not where it needs to be or if it's dropping, increasing frequency and, um, you know, checking how your pump's working and, and how efficient it's working for you and whether, you know, the milk that you have in your breast is actually being removed by the, a pump is, um, is important. Obviously, getting off to a good start, just as with breastfeeding, um, sometimes with when women um, exclusively pump, they may have started with breastfeeding and there may have been challenges with breastfeeding, and those can sometimes get them off to a bit of a rocky start with lactation. So, um, you know, obviously, if you can get off to a good start, if you're, you know, breastfeeding or if you're starting right away with pumping, um, you know, by pumping frequently and, you know, following all those good practices, um, that'll be helpful. Consistency is really important. Um, you know, there's really no shortcuts. Sometimes, you know, you'll hear of women who are maybe pumping four times a day and they don't understand why their milk supply is dropping. Um, there, there's no easy answer. It, you know, sometimes it is just a matter of you have to pump and you have to pump more. Um, other ideas, I know, I think it was Jane who said, uh, I'm sorry, maybe it was Katie who said that she didn't pump in the night. <laughs> that is, is actually um, a good strategy to um, build milk supply and to maintain it. Um, if 
if you don't have to, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I can definitely appreciate why you'd not want to, but if um, you know, supply is a concern, adding a middle-of-the-night session can sometimes be helpful. Uh, prolactin levels tend to be higher in the, in the night time, kind of you know, between midnight and 6 a.m., so if you can add a session in that range, um, it'll be helpful. Uh, other ideas, don't drop sessions too quickly. It's, I, I understand those first few months are, I mean, of motherhood generally, and then when you're exclusively pumping, it just adds to the whole um, craziness of, of life, and uh, dropping a session or dropping a few sessions sometimes seems exceptionally inviting. Um, but if your intention is to pump long-term, you know, six months or more, I would really caution women not to drop sessions too quickly, um, you know, maybe one a month at the most, uh, and then just wait after you drop the session and see where your supply kind of evens out. Some people will see no supply drops. Some people will lose a few ounces. And there are, are the odd, uh, I shouldn't say the odd woman, <laughs> the um, occasional woman who has a very large storage capacity and their supplies can actually increase when they're dropping sessions uh, up to a certain point. Um, so let me think, uh, that leads to st storage capacity, which obviously plays a factor in milk supply. And if your storage capacity isn't very large, then frequency is going to be your friend. Um, the, more, the more often you pump, the better your supply will be. And there's, of course, often those herbal and prescription um, galactagogues that can help to maintain and boost supply. Um, I think, though, it's important to always use other strategies before you turn to supplements or prescriptions. So, you know, if you're only pumping four times a day, don't try the prescription until you've added those extra pumping sessions and, and see how you respond to that. Um, because, you know, there, there are risks to um, most supplements and definitely risks to the prescription medications. Um, so those things should be weighed out and discussed with uh, with your doctor or lactation consultant. Okay. So with all of this pumping, how can an exclusively pumping mom get out of the house and keep up her pumping schedule? Do you recommend getting a hand pump, some other supplies? What works best? Um, it kind of depends on your comfort level pumping outside of the house and your current pumping schedule, I would say. In, in the early days, you know, if you're pumping eight times a day, uh, it's probably going to be a little more challenging to get out. Um, but that's the same as with every other new mom, kind of regardless of, of how you're feeding, especially if you're breastfeeding or if you're pumping. Um, that frequency can sometimes be a little overwhelming. But, you know, things change as, as time goes on. And, uh, you know, after a month or two, life begins to even out and you kind of get the hang of everything. And getting out, from my personal perspective, you know, as I said, 10 years ago when I was pumping, I think things have changed a lot since then. I, you know, I wouldn't personally have felt comfortable going out and pumping in public. Um, but today I hear from so many women who are doing that. You know, they put on a nursing cover, uh, you know, as was just said, pumping through the drive-thru, pumping on planes. <laughs> women are getting out there and doing it. You know, it, it's about what they're doing and their needs, their, their baby's needs, and they're more than happy to, you know, to, to, to pump out, out uh, get out in public and do what, what they need to do, which I think is awesome. Um, so, you know, really, I don't think there's anything that should prevent a mother from feeling like she's unable to get out when she's pumping. Um, definitely pumps that have battery packs and that are portable makes that, 
so much easier. Um, if you're using a hospital-grade pump, that can be a little more challenging because they're not really that uh, that portable. Um, but having said that, I do know women who, you know, traveled with their um, hospital-grade pump and took it to work every day. So, if, you know, if there's a will, there's a way to a certain extent. Um, hand pumps definitely uh, can work. Um, but if you've got a pump with a battery pack, it's probably just as convenient, if not more convenient, because you can put on a hands-free pump or a hands-free bra and you know pump while you're in the car or, or while you're traveling somewhere. Um, definitely, I'd say you know make use of mother's rooms. Find out what's available in your community for that kind of thing. Uh, if you need to plug your pump in, if you don't have one with a battery pump, you know get to know where the uh, outlets are. And I think, you know, really, as I said, I don't think it's any different than if you're breastfeeding a baby. Um, it's just a matter of making it work for you and, and finding your comfort level, I think. Sure. So, ladies, how, how did you keep up your pumping schedule and continue to go out and be social? And I'd love to know the most unique place you've pumped. Katie, I don't know if you have anything more unique than pumping <laughs> in the drive through No, that takes it for me. <laughs> how did you keep up your pumping schedule um, when you were exclusively pumping even more than you are right now? Um, yeah, just really relying on that, the car adapter, like for real, that's my, that is my lifesaver. Um, I've done it a little bit less with my daughter just because I've had the opportunity to not, um, need it that much, uh, as I did with my son, but yeah, the car adapter, the hands-free bra and the cooler, and you pretty much can go anywhere. And I do have a hospital grade pump and it is bulky and everywhere I go, I got the diaper bag, the cooler and the pump bag, <laughs> um, plus my purse. Um, but, but it works, you know, it works. Okay. How about you, Jane? Um, how did I keep up with my posting schedule? I brought my pump with me wherever I went. I mean, if I was going to a friend's house, I brought my pump. I was not as careful as probably some of their moms, and I did end up buying a couple other pumps. Um, One used, yes, um, but I did have three pumps. Um, I had my double pump, I had a single pump, and I had a hand pump. And I took my single pump out with me because it was light portable, battery pack, hand pump if I needed to, and it was easy that way. Um, and my most unique place where I pumped? Airplane. <laughs> and that was nice. both at the terminal and on the plane with random people around me. <laughs> Good for you. Nice. <laughs> and I've had moments, too, where I've forgotten my pump, and fortunately I've been able to just use my hand, so nice. it's not as nice. inconvenient. And there's something nice, too, about being able to uh, express by hand occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um even if it's in a two-a-bowl, it works. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Mary Jane, anyone on there on the Internet as well want to yeah. share an idea? I just have to share the um, few unique places. So uh, Laren cool. Rollhauser says tailgating before an NFL game. Nice. <laughs> um, and and Win Assay says oddest place would be a pool table. <laughs> and that was a hand expression session. <laughs> Um, and then uh, uh, Angela Hines, she says, on a plane, beaches at Walt Disney World, airport termi- terminal. Um, she would just excuse herself and run to the car. I love it. So, yeah. All right. That's so fantastic. Pumps at the park. Nice. Yeah. So that gets kind of to the last question that we have for both Stephanie and our panelists. What are some of your best ways to avoid exclusive pumping burnout? Um, you all have pumped for, Jane pumped for two years. 
I know Katie is coming up on a year. How long did you pump with your son? A year. A year. And I know, Stephanie, you were uh, you were a year as well, right, with your son? Okay. So how how did you make it that far? How did you get over those kind of humps when you're like, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore? <laughs> there were many of those. <laughs> um, biggest thing for me was finding an online support group. It was hands down, I think that was the moment in my life where I, first of all, I mean, and I hear this, it was just yesterday, there was a uh, lady who joined the um, the Exclusively Pumping Facebook group and said, you know, I thought I had invented this. And I think <laughs> we've all felt that way. When I, when I decided to Exclusively Pump, I didn't know it was a thing. You know, I didn't know other people were doing it. And when I found uh, a group of women on the Internet who were all doing the same thing, it was um, it was an incredible experience, and I still feel exceptionally um, grateful to those women because I think just knowing that I wasn't the only one was it was a huge uh, emotional boost for me, and it you know gave you a place to go when no one else understood, you know, and you you knew that when you entered that group and you asked your question or you you know complained about something that there were others who who got it. And I think um, that was probably the, the biggest thing. Um, and I, you know, I see that every day. Our, our group now is, I think, about 2,200 women. And, wow. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 it's just such an incredible, incredible group of support and love and understanding that comes from the group for the most part. <laughs> we have our moments with 2,200 uh, hormonal women. <laughs> we have issues, but, um, you know, so, so that would be the, the first thing. Um, Taking it a day at a time, you know, uh, we always say never quit on a bad day. Sometimes you've got to take it, you know, day by day. Sometimes it's pump session by pump session. But, you know, it always just kind of, you know, move towards the next one. Um, don't make any rash decisions. Uh, always, And I always say that to women, too, when they're thinking of, of weaning, especially if they're wanting to wean because of, you know, challenges with, just their life in general, fitting things in, making it work. I always say, plan it for the future. You know, say, I'm going to wean a month from now or two weeks from now I'm going to start the process. Um, you know, always put it in the future so that you can deal with the emotional side of it, you know, work through your feelings and understand if that's really what you want to do. Um, and then once you get to that date that you set it, you know, if, if you still feel the same way, then that's probably probably the good thing that, you know, what's right for you at that time. Um, I think early on, you know, as I said earlier, motherhood generally is, is overwhelming um, in the first few weeks. And, you know, when you throw pumping into it, it, it just amplifies all that. But recognize that, you know, every new mother is feeling overwhelmed. You're, you're not the only one and you're not doing something wrong because you're feeling overwhelmed and that it will get easier. Um, the oddest thing about exclusively pumping is that it just becomes part of your life. Um, you know, I always joke that when I when I weaned, I lit and I, I mean this literally, I wandered my house for two weeks, not knowing what to do with myself. <laughs> it just felt so odd. It was, you know, it became it becomes a part of your identity. It becomes kind of who you are as a mother. It's a way to to connect with your child, um, but it does. It just becomes part of your life. Um, so. Trust that that will happen eventually. It might not happen early on, but you know, as the months go by, it will get easier. And you know, I'd say just give yourself a break. You know, if some some, I always say if you are completely overwhelmed, 
drop the session. You know, there, there's no sense harming yourself, you, you know, your physical self, your, your health, um, just by, by adding too much stress and, and pressure to your, your life. So if, if you need to drop a session, drop a session. If you're exceptionally busy, overwhelmed one day, and you have to skip a session for some reason, don't worry about it. Um, you know, celebrate your milestones and accomplishments. I think we as mothers tend not to do that, but I think when you're pumping, it can be really helpful. And, you know, keep those keep accomplishments and um, those milestones in mind. So, you know, set goals for yourself, but set small goals. So, you know, don't start by uh, when you're pumping and say, I'm going to pump for a year. Start with, you know, I'm going to pump for three months. I'm going to pump for six months. And, and each time you can adjust um, rather than kind of giving your overwhelming <laughs> goal to, to reach because when you're a month or two or, you know, a week or two in after having your baby, a year is just, you know, that's never going to come, right? Um, and, you know, perspective is everything, I think, too. So keeping things in perspective and realizing, you know, that after that first year or two years is gone of your baby's life, it, it feels like a blink of the eye and, and um, you know, we're always moving forward and things are always changing. So you can do it. You know, women, we've got a lot of power and strength that we don't even know about. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much, Stephanie, and to our credible panelists for discussing this very, very important topic. Um, we really appreciate your time, Stephanie. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Stephanie will discuss tips for traveling for the exclusively pumping mama. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. So here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Holly. I'm looking for some help or feedback. I am returning to work in three weeks and have been exclusively breastfeeding for three months. My husband and I have tried introducing a bottle of pump breast milk and our little one is refusing it. I realize that with time he will get used to it, but in my last three weeks, I really don't want to give up our breastfeeding moments. It's a catch-22. Are there alternative ideas out there for when I go back to work and he is in a daycare to make this transition easier? I do plan to pump during the day and breastfeed when we are home together for at least the first year. I'm really hoping for transitional ideas right now for when I go back to work and maybe a little bit before I go back to work. Thanks in advance. Hi, Boob Group listeners. This is Veronica Tingvon, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, owner of the Original Comfort Foods in San Diego, California. Holly, I know that sometimes if that baby of yours isn't wanting to take the bottle, it's very disconcerting um, to try to get, you know, that bottle or the sippy cup in before you go to work because, of course, you know that when you go to work, maybe somebody's not going to have the same type of patience of introducing and offering the bottle to a baby who just doesn't want to take it. Um, just rest assured that a lot of the times when babies do go to a daycare center or grandma's house or somebody else's home, um, when you're not there, when your smell is not there, when your um, even your husband's not there, that baby will go, okay, I'll take this now because this is all I'll take. You know, this is all I'll get. And they might not eat what they would normally eat when you're around and maybe save up all their caloric intake for that moment when you get home, but they will take it eventually. They'll learn that it's okay to go back and forth. 
With that said, yes, you do want to ease this transition. I know that you're not wanting to cut into any of your snuggle bonding um, and breastfeeding time because you want to absorb it all in for the next three weeks before you go back to work. But one, maybe even two attempts a day is going to be okay. And I suggest for you to be gone completely when those attempts happen. Um, Have your spouse, your partner, your mother, your sister, whoever it is that's trying to offer that bottle or sippy cup. Now, you know, we don't have to have a bottle. We can use alternate methods. Whoever's offering that alternative feeding method, you need to be gone because your baby knows you're there. And the other thing is, is that if you're just in another room and you're hearing your baby cry and buck and not want to take that bottle, you're going to eventually come out and want to meet your baby's needs because you don't want to hear your baby cry. So you need to be completely out of the home for an hour. So, you know, go and, you know, take a walk or go get your hair done or your nails done or get a pedicure or something. Do something nice for yourself at that moment and let the person who is offering the baby the bottle the opportunity to kind of work his or her way through it on their own, just like you did when you were breastfeeding. I hope this helps. Thanks. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our brand new show, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.